your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to this Friday afternoon episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast and the Locked On Islanders podcast. This is part two of the crossover preview between the Penguins and the Islanders. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. You can download the app and join me uh, this week, probably on Sunday, right after the game to get in on the action. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. So, like I just said, this is part two of our two-part preview. And there's a lot of key matchups going into this series, Gil. You know, the more I've been thinking about it, um, I, I talked about it in part one. I'm curious to see the big little chess match of Mike Sullivan and Barry Trotz here. I'm assuming that the Sidney Crosby line is going to get a lot of Pellick and Pollock. Um, that's one of the best defensive pairs in the league, honestly. Um, both should be getting a little bit of Norris consideration. If they could win a Norris together, um, that's <laughs> maybe who I'd give it to or maybe have them both be a finalist. Though Adam Fox has been really good this year, as has Kale McCarr. But I'm guessing they're going to get a lot of the Pellick-Pollock pair and then and vice versa, I think you're going to see Barzell and Eberly get a lot of Dumoulin Latang. And, and this time with the Penguins defense, the one thing from 2019 that the Islanders did a very good job of was exploiting the other two pairings. You had, for some reason, Jack Johnson eating up top four minutes. That is no longer the case as he is off this team, mercifully. And you had Justin Schultz on there who wasn't playing at a high level. Eric Branson was on there playing meaningful minutes. Oli Mata was also on there. It was a train wreck. But now – the defense is much better to play against this system, I think, where all six of these players are masterful at getting the puck out of their zone. And I think we touched on this a little bit in part one. I think Pedersen Marino is going to go up a lot against the Bailey, Beauvillier, and Nelson line. But, you know, what uh, matchups are you really looking forward to um, in this series? Or what do you expect to happen with some of these matchups? Well, you know, you mentioned Pelican and Pulak. And first of all, it's great to hear someone who's not – following the Islanders all the time or an Islander fan, give them their due because they're the kind of duo that you look at the stat sheet and there's not a lot there, but if you watch them game in and game out, they are so solid and allow this team to play the style of hockey that they play so effectively. So uh, it's nice to hear uh, some praise for, for that duo. And yes, I think that duo will match up mostly uh, against Crosby, uh, and and also probably be out there for some important penalty kills. Uh, you know, the the other thing is, though, getting back to that second duo of uh, Nick Letty and Scott Mayfield, can they handle the second and or third lines that the Penguins are putting out there? Because, you know, Pittsburgh is so deep. They have so many weapons offensively. And, you know, can you shut down uh, Malkin's line? Uh, under those circumstances when, you know, you, you also have to deal with Crosby. Can you shut down Jeff Carter, who is oh so red hot? So I, I think the important thing for the Islanders is that they're all six of their defensemen. They don't have to be fancy. They don't have to make, uh, you know, these big long outlet passes that set up immediate scoring chances, but they have to be smart and they have to get the puck out of the zone without turning it over. If they do that, this team is good enough defensively to at least slow down the Penguins enough to win the series. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, as for the Penguins with, you know, 
important matchups for them. You probably are going to see um, Sullivan feed Crosby to the Barzell line. And that's going to be interesting because now you're trusting your depth to go out against, you know, the Bailey line and then the Sezekis Martin Clutterbuck line to win those matchups and to get the chances in the offensive zone um, and not just get the chances, but finish them as Pittsburgh has done um, very well this year in actual and the actual goals, not just the expected goals, Pittsburgh uh, is at 55.5%. That is seventh overall, actually right behind the Islanders, who are sixth at 55.6%. In expected goals, though, um, Pittsburgh is a little, little bit further down, but the Islanders are at 53.6% of the expected goals. That comes courtesy of Money Puck. They have a great site for all your underlying numbers. But that's just my opinion on what Sullivan will do with his top line. It's obviously going to be tough to get the puck off Barzell because as I said, in part one, he is a walking zone entry machine. He's, he's ridiculous. So, um, and then for the second line with Malkin, you may see them go out against the Bailey line though. I might, you also might see them go out against the third line, which just also opens up all these possibilities for the Jeff Carter, Jared McCann duo. And then with Freddie Goudreau on there, and that line, to me, is the big X factor. Um, McCann has enjoyed a very stellar season, finished with around 14 goals, um, only making $2.9 million per, just ridiculously underpaid. And his playmaking ability came into his own this season and his defensive play as well. As honestly, his defensive play um, was just so much better than it was last season. And him and Carter on the same line, it's almost like a cheat code of a third line because you can also hardly get the puck off them as well. Carter's one of the best volume shooters in the league, has nine goals since coming over from Los Angeles. It's almost a point-per-game player. So I don't envy Barry Trotz when he tries to come up with a good matchup against that Penguins third line. And, you know, this is the kind of third line for Pittsburgh that it's just when they've won the Cups in the past, they have that really good scoring third line. It was Cookstall Kennedy in 2009. Then you had HBK in 2016 and to a degree in 2017, though they also flipped Bill Kessel up to playing with Evgeny Malkin. So um, it's like overall though, with the Penguins, I expect them to do um, what, what I think they've done all season. Like I said, they've been icing Crosby up against Barzell. They'll do Dumoulin Latang also against that top line. Pedersen and Reno, I think will go out against the Bailey Line. And then I also, you honestly, I think the Sezegas, Clutterbuck, and Martin line, which is one of the better fourth lines in hockey, I think is going to see a heavy dose of Matheson CC, which um, has been a huge surprise. If anyone has listened to um, one, any one of my episodes this year, I'm eating crow on both of those players. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the Islanders' third line may also be the key to them because, you know, you, you've got a, a great two way center in J.G. Pajot, yep. who, who wins face-offs, who can put, in, put the puck in the net, be on that second power play unit, kill penalties, and is very strong in his own zone. Wallstrom, the rookie, is up and coming, uh, a heavy shot. You watch, when, when he shoots the puck, even if it doesn't go in, the goalie feels that because he really has a heavy, uh, strong shot. And then maybe the ultimate wild card for the Islanders is going to be Kyle Palmieri. Does he start to click with his line mates? Does he start to produce? If he does, the Islanders can probably match the Penguins. Uh, you know, if they play good defense, they can match the Penguins goal for goal if they have all four of their lines clicking. And Palmieri may very well hold the key to that happening. 
yeah, you know, that, that's a big one for New York is getting him going because he was a player that I would have loved to gotten at the trade deadline, but definitely not for that price. And, you know, so far, as we touched on in part one as well, he has not been as advertised thus far, you know, just hardly putting up any points, especially goals that is, because usually you know him for his goal scoring ability, uh, but he has just not done that yet since coming over. And then, you know, the same with Travis Zajac as, as well, Gil. I mean, I think like we talked about, he's kind of try, trying to fight his way into the lineup. I don't think that's what anyone expected coming in here. But you also said at best, you know, you're, if he does well in the playoffs as well as Palmieri, that's all you remember if the Islanders do go on a deep run. And, you know, speaking with uh, about Pajot, again, another player a couple years ago who I would love the Penguins to get. I think he was severely underrated in Ottawa, also very underused. Um, I, I hated that the Islanders got him, but he's been a nice fit there ever since he came there. So I also signed that huge extension right when he got there as well. So um, I think that's a player that's not talked about enough. And I'll be curious to see tr where Trotz uses him um, just in the, in the, in the matchup. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to match up uh, at times, at least, Pajot against Crosby and or Malkin, uh, just because he is such a strong defensive center and can also provide you that uh, extra bit of offense. I, I think that when the games are at the Nassau Coliseum and the Islanders have the last change, you, you may want to, you know, when they need a stop, when they need strong defense, they will try to match up the Pajot line against the whatever line the Penguins send out there to try to, to score goals. Yeah. And that'll be interesting to see. I mean, it makes sense for Pajot to go up against Malkin. I mean, Gino, it's been a tale of two seasons for him. He struggled right out of the gate. His hands and legs weren't there, then started to turn around, then got hurt. And then the last four games looked more like the second half, Gino, that we saw, but wasn't all the way back yet. I still think he's not a hundred percent. So I think as of right now, you might see Pajot win that matchup uh, more times than not. But if Gino is back to the way that we all know that he can play at, um, I think it's going to be a bit more tougher, obviously, for Pajot to win that just because when Evgeny Malkin's on, um, there's not 10 players, I don't think, in hockey that um, can do what he does in the offensive zone. But right now, I, I think I would have to get, come close to giving that edge to Pajot just because Gino is not all the way back yet. So, like I said, though, we'll have to see. But – um, coming up in the next segment, we will touch on um, some matchups for the Islanders. So stay tuned for that. And then also uh, later on in the episode, well, both of us are going to make our predictions for the series. Before we get back to part two of our two-part preview with the Locked On Penguins and the Locked On Islanders podcast, it's time to talk about Wealthfront. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. They can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. It can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it is automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. Remember to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. That's wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings. One more time, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. All right, so we're back here on this special part two crossover with Locked On Penguins, me, Hunter Hodes, and Gil Martin of 
Locked On Islanders. So, Gil, you know, when you when you look at this series for from an Islanders perspective, what are the most important matchups for you? What are you expecting um, from Barry Trotz? I know we touched on the Pajot thing early on. Well, just in the last segment, the last couple of minutes, I know I touched on a bit with Crosby going up against Pelican and Pollock. Do you have anything else that we haven't talked about where, you know, like that's an important matchup um, that Trotz may pursue against Sullivan? Well, I, I think they've got to keep that B and B line going. And, you know, last year in the playoffs, the two guys who really stepped up their game above and beyond what they did in the regular season was Josh Bailey and Anthony Bavillier. And uh, Bailey, I think, had 20 points in 22 playoff games last year. Uh, Bavillier really took his game to another level in the playoffs, and his speed made a big difference. They have got to keep that trio hot. And, and especially with Anders Lee out of the lineup, Brock Nelson's offensive contributions become that much more important for this team because they don't have, uh, you know, as much scoring power on that top trio with Leo Kamarov in that spot. So I, I think that's going to be a very important matchup that they want to keep that B and B line away from the toughest checkers uh, that the Penguins are going to throw at them. Yeah. That, that's a big, that's a, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, that line um, I really do think it could be a little bit of a mismatch problem for Pittsburgh, but again, I would expect Pedersen and Marino to eat up a lot of those minutes. And you said it best. I mean, Josh Bailey had a really good uh, run in the bubble. Anthony Bovillier had his best playoffs yet. Um, they're two, I think, of the more underrated players on the Islanders. I don't think they scare anyone that much. Obviously, that's for Barzell and Everly, but they're still two quality depth pieces that at any given moment can break out and score goals in bunches. Yeah, and Bailey, you know, the thing about Bailey, again, he's not a big goal scorer per se, but he has such great vision. He sees the ice so well, mm -hmm. and his passing is really top-notch. And, you know, he's very good on that second power play unit also when he has a little extra space and a little extra time to maneuver. That makes a big difference uh, for Josh Bailey, and, and he, will, he will bring out the best in any goal scorer that he is paired with the other matchup that obviously has, uh, you know, a, a lot of focus for me, the Islanders have to find a way to slow down the Penguins power play. And this is sort of a, a matchup of strength against strength because the Islanders penalty kill uh, was sixth in the league, 83.7% uh, success rate. We know how good the Penguins power play is. Uh, they were fourth in the league with a 23.7% success rate. And whoever wins that battle, I think, will have a big advantage in this series. Because if the Penguins' power play gets slowed down or stopped, uh, that's going to put a lot more pressure on them to win five-on-five. Five, and five-on-five five is where the Islanders tend to thrive. Yes, I completely agree with that. You know, the Penguins' power play was definitely um... – I guess, for lack of better words, excuse my language, a shit show um, in the first month, two month and a half of the season, and then really came into it um, in the second half. You know, they, they, this, this power play unit, Gil, was around 23rd, 24th. Um, and then whenever Gino went out and Jared McCann went up, he just kind of made that power play resurgent. And I'm not here to tell everyone, oh, my God, Evgeny Malkin's going to be on the second power play unit. He's not. He's going to be reclaiming his spot up there. And he was in the four games when he came back. They were, I think they scored, I think, three power play goals in the four games when he was there. But McCann just 
brought another element to it, a shot first mentality. And he actually, I believe, led the team in power play goals this season. And they were able to get back up to a top five power play that we've all known and been accustomed to in the Sydney Crosby, Kenny Malkin era. And as you said, it is kind of a strength on strength. You know, the Islanders, you said, had a top 10 penalty kill. I think this season for the special teams, I think Pittsburgh did have a few power play goals against the Islanders. I know one of them, it wasn't technically a power play goal, but they had that six on five, like I talked about in the part one, where Malkin blasted it past Varlamov with about 20 seconds left. I think that was their first six on five goal um, in a couple of years. This is not a team that scores a lot of six on five goals. So, um, but, you know, turning it around to the other side, you know, the Islanders power play can also potentially do a lot of damage as well because the Penguins PK has not been good this year. They, they run the system called a wedge plus one. Learn that from Jesse Marshall of the athletic where, you know, they have three players that kind of create a triangle around the slot area from, from like the video that I've seen and like from what I've learned and they have the other player just kind of be a pass. And usually that's Brandon Tanev um, because he's just a wrecking ball um, in, 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 on the PK and honestly just overall while playing and his addition to the lineup is going to be so crucial for the Penguins. So they were really missing him with what he does, with what he brings to the team on an every night basis. But going back to what I was saying, that's just how the Penguins run their PK. And it, it hasn't worked a lot of times this year. I think they're a bit too conservative in front of the net and they kind of just let whoever they want to stand in front of the goalie and just drink a beer, bake a cake, uh, <laughs> call it. Um, and for a while there it was Anders Lee. And it's like, wow, I mean, if you're, you're not going to do anything about him, just standing there, I mean, then what are we doing? Obviously, Lee is not going to be playing in this series, and that's a huge loss. But still, whoever the Islanders put there, I'm not sure who it is now on the top power play in front of the net, if you want to um, tell me who it is. But it's still a problem for the Penguins, and it, it, it could potentially cost them some games in the series if the PK um, is not at least average. Yeah, you know, we talked about strength versus strength with the uh, Penguins power play and the Islanders PK. It's sort of weakness against weakness with the Islanders power play and the Penguins PK. Islanders 21st in the league with the man advantage. Uh, the, the two guys who have sort of been trying to take over that Anders Lee role with mixed results, it's been Brock Nelson, who isn't quite as thick and physical uh, as Anders Lee, although he does have... Uh, the size as far as height goes and then the other guy who's actually done it sometimes is Matt Martin who certainly has the physicality but the hands aren't quite up to up to snuff so that's been a little bit of a difficulty and as far as the Islanders power play is concerned when that power play is off it's a big problem and the one problem that they have when the power play is not clicking they don't move the puck across with cross ice passes and they don't move without the puck. So they end up staying on the perimeter and moving it around and almost sort of killing the penalty themselves because they're not taking enough shots. They pass up too many shots on the power play and, and don't create the opportunities they need to create. So if the Islanders power play, and, and I said this on my podcast uh, earlier this week, if they, you know, if there are 16 teams in the playoffs, if the Islanders could be somewhere between sixth and, and ninth, let's say, in the league on the power play, that'll be good enough. But they've got to get there. This year during the regular season, they weren't even that good. Yeah, you know, and I think that was actually a big problem for the Penguins or earlier in the season when it comes to talking about your power play. They would get the, the puck in the zone at a very high degree, and they, their zone entries were great. 
but then they will just make, you know, five, 10 passes before creating a scoring chance. And it's like, what are we doing here? You have all this top high end talent on your power play with Crosby, Malk and Latang and Gensel and whoever else you want to put out there. And it's just, they were passing up all these opportunities. So, you know, I'm kind of happy that it's not, it wasn't just the Penguins um, having this problem this season as it sounds like the Islanders were passing up quite a bit of really good scoring opportunities. But yeah, I mean, for the Penguins PK, they're just, they're not getting into the lanes as well. They're not blocking as many shots. And a lot of times they're also just out of position, which is really annoying. They're leaving the net front vacant. They're just, like, like I said, they're just letting someone stand in Tristan Jari with no repercussions, not even getting him out of the way. I mean, obviously you don't want to cross-check him and take a penalty, but I mean, at least boxing him out, getting him out of the way so that Jari can see the puck. That's been another big weakness for the Penguins PK this year. Um, are, are there any other matchups that you are looking at for this series before we get into the final segment where we make our predictions? I think we've pretty much covered it. I think it's going to be a great series. And, and I think that, uh, you know, uh, this one is going to go either six or seven games, I think. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, I think my I'm leaning six games right now, but I'm going to fully touch on that, and I'm sure you as well, um, coming up in the next segment of this crossover. All right, so before we get back to our last segment of the two-part crossover with Locked On Islanders, it's time to talk about BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline before the next pitch. Head over to BetOnline on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts with a promo code locked on. And we also cannot forget about Bilt Bar. Did you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors? When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the flavors, well, you're definitely missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie. So there's definitely something for everyone. My favorite flavor is still the peanut butter brownie. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. A couple of them, though, have 18 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just five grams of sugar, and five grams of net carbs. You can go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. All right, so we're back here for our final segment where both of us are going to make predictions. Uh, Gail, I'll start with you. Do you see history kind of repeating itself from 2019? Probably won't be a sweep. Um, if, if, they, if they sweep the Penguins again, um, I might just become the Joker uh, from the Dark Knight. <laughs> That's the way I'm saying it. Um, but I, I agree with you. I do think this is going to be a very tight series. But where are you at right now with your prediction? You know, I, I, I think this series goes seven games, and I think the Islanders will find a way to win it. And I think the advantage the Islanders have is this – they have been playing playoff style hockey all season. That is the style of play that Barry Trotz likes to use. So it's not as big of an adjustment for the Islanders to move from regular season to playoffs. And then the other area I got to give the Islanders an edge is in goal. And as you said at the top of uh, part one, you know, goaltending is the most critical part of playoff hockey. Uh, I think Varlamov is a, a better overall goalie and he's more experienced in the Stanley Cup playoffs 
than Jarry is. It's going to be a tight series. I think Pittsburgh has a deeper team and a more talented team, but the Islanders will find a way to outwork them and get just enough scoring to go with some very, very outstanding goaltending. I think the Islanders find a way to win it in seven. Okay. You know, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good prediction. Yeah, I definitely think it's going six, seven games. Um, that's not a question. I've seen some people say this is going to be a four or five game series. Don't really know what you're talking about if you think this is going to be a five game series. Um, in my opinion, I have the Penguins getting some vengeance on them. Right now, I think I'm leaning Pittsburgh in six to fully close out the Nassau Coliseum, which has been a house of horrors for the Penguins over the years. Do not get me started. Um, 1993 I will just get really um, I wasn't even alive at that point and uh, I remember it well so yeah I do not want to hear about it that team was just so stacked and it just it was a crime that they honestly did not win that year but um, overall it has been like I said that house of horrors they just have always struggled in the Coliseum um, the Whaley I don't really you know this might go up against some Islanders fans. I'm not the biggest fan of the Coliseum. I've said that on my podcast a few times. Um, I'm, I'm definitely ready for the Islanders to get their new arena. Um, it looks gorgeous from what I've seen. Um, it's a nice view in Belmont. Um, but going back to what I was saying, I think the Penguins win this series in six games to close out the Coliseum. I think Pittsburgh will find a way to not just win this series, but do it in a way uh, that they didn't do it in 2019. And that's by playing some stifling defense and really limiting the Islanders' chances. I think you're going to see a completely different, obviously you're going to see definitely a different defensive corpse, but with how they break the puck out and with how um, they defend in their 1-2-2 neutral zone trap, I think it's going to frustrate the Islanders quite a bit. And I do think you will see Tristan Jari um, continue his success against the Islanders in this series. Though, would I be surprised if this wins seven-game series? No, I honestly think... Um, it's 50-50 um, whether it ends in six to seven. Um, I, I would not be surprised if it goes seven, but if it does go seven, I still think Pittsburgh would have the edge um, specifically because it's at home where they're 22 and four and two. Again, best record in the franchise's history. But I just, I think this year is different. They have the depth, they have the defensive depth and just in goal, I, I think Jari is ready for this prime moment. So um, I'm obviously going to go opposite of Gill um, but it, this uh, overall, I think this is going to be an outstanding series, and I can't wait to see part five of Mike Sullivan versus Barry Trotz. Yeah, it should be a great series. I'm looking forward to it, and no matter who wins, I think we're going to see some very entertaining hockey. Yes, you know, the winner that comes out of this series is going to have um, a big hill to climb, especially if it's Boston in the next round, which I do think Boston will win that series against Washington. I think I have Boston in seven games right now. That's also going to be a great series, I think. But, yeah, I, I would give an edge to Boston as well. Yeah. Um, you literally are running the gauntlet for these two series. It is – whoever comes out of the East is going to be basically gassed, um, I think is the word to use. But um, this has been a lot of fun. I can't wait to see how this series goes. Hopefully, Gail will get a start time really soon to find out <laughs> what one is. Again, you know, a couple things I've been hearing. Um, Sunday at 3 p.m., not, it's not set in stone yet. But that's what I've heard from a couple of people um, that are a little bit in the know. But, uh, Gil, thank you so much for doing this. Um, for the Penguins uh, fans that listen to the Locked On Penguins podcast, where can everyone find you on Twitter? 
Uh, on Twitter, it's either at Locked On Isles or you can follow uh, me at Ice Wars NYR VS NYI. Yes, that, that, that is a mouthful, everyone, but he does produce very good content, especially um, he is the king of the Locked On Nows, which I need to do um, a lot more of. So definitely check those out. Check out his content throughout the series. Again, we both can't wait for this one and really hope you enjoyed this crossover and we'll talk to you all um, next week when hopefully there's at least one game played uh, for this series.